let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time to review another Sabbath School lesson. Please be sure to visit us at BibleStudy.ASBZone.com, where you can find a link to the current lesson study guide, additional Bible study resources, and all our previous episodes. Before we begin our study, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy, your goodness, and your love to us. Thank you for your watch, care, and your protection. We thank you for these lessons, and we invite your presence to be with us. Give us wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Lesson 8 is entitled, Seeing the Invisible. Our quarter for our lesson for this quarter, title for the quarter, is in the crucible with Christ. So we'll be looking at the difficulties we face in the Christian experience and in our walk with Christ. Our verse, Hebrews 11.27, the memory verse for this week, and we're reading from the King James Version. It says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Hebrews 11.27, this is written about Moses. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses endured because it was as if he could see God. Okay. The definition of faith in the book of Hebrews is always challenging. That's one way to say it. And here's what it says. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the thing. The things we hope for are anchored by faith. Faith is the evidence of the things that we have not seen. This is actually pretty profound. How can we be sure about what we do not see? There are lots of things we're sure that we don't see. People fly airplanes all the time without understanding how they fly. We believe in gravity although we cannot see it. Also, magnetism, even though we cannot see it. This is exactly what Moses illustrates in our memory verse. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. It is even more challenging to realize that we are called to see him who is invisible. Not simply when times are good, but especially when everything is going wrong. 
For this we need faith, a Christ-like faith that must be shaped by the truth about God and his kingdom, the truth about our Father's goodness, power in the name of Jesus, the power of the resurrection, and the compassion of God are essential truths that will enable us to stand strong when we are in the crucible and may be tempted to doubt everything. So this week, we're going to look at how truths about God can help sustain us. Our Father's Extravagance If God really loved me, he would certainly do something for me. I wonder how many times that thought has flickered through our minds. We look at our circumstances and then begin to wonder whether God really loves us, because if he really did, things would be different. We have to bear in mind that God is looking at eternal realities, not just temporal ones. And so he's sometimes going to take actions which benefit us in the longer term, but not necessarily in the short term. There are two rationales that often lead us to doubt God's goodness. First, when we have a burning desire in our hearts and minds for something that we believe is good, the idea that God might want something different for us may seem ridiculous or frustrating. Second, we may doubt God's goodness because our experience clashes with what we believe. If something looks good or feels good or sounds good or tastes good, then it must be good. So we get angry with God when we can't have it. Okay, that's... I think that there is a lot of nuance to this circumstance. We can also be frustrated when we receive bad things that we feel is disproportionately bad and other people don't, right? So there's always room for us to say, why am I being treated this way? This is where faith comes into play. Faith comes into action precisely at those times we are tempted to doubt God and his goodness. Yeah. Faith has to come into play all the time. If you only leverage faith or attempt to leverage faith in an emergency, you're going to be disappointed. Okay? Going to be disappointed. We need to understand how that works. Romans 8, 28-39 is a powerful passage that describes the goodness of God toward us. Can you find in the verses, what can you find in the verses that helps to guard our minds against doubting God's goodness? Okay, good passage, Romans 8, 28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for good. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. We know that all things work together for good. That's a very interesting statement, because I'm sure 
We've all seen things that don't look like they're good, but do look like they're at an end. And again, it's a matter of our perspective, whether or not we see as God sees, because it is important to see as God sees if you're going to concern yourself with how God is behaving, responding. In Romans 8.32, there's an important piece of logic that is extremely helpful in guarding us from becoming overwhelmed by our circumstance. Let's look at that passage. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So God, who spared not his own son, but delivered Christ up for us all, how shall God and Christ not give us all things? They both made a sacrifice in order to give us eternal life. What makes us think they wouldn't do more for us in a material way? Right? The truth of God's generosity to us needs to be understood. And it needs to be appreciated. Very critical. The question they ask here, how is it possible for a truth, such as God's goodness, to have a more powerful effect on you than your doubts? Spend some time meditating on the truth that God has given Jesus to die in your place. That which we dwell the most on is going to grow dominant in our mind. We need to dwell on the truth. We need to dwell on what God has done for us, on the sacrifices that have been made for us. If we dwell on the doubts, the doubts will overwhelm that which is true. We need to dwell on the truth that we may overshadow the doubt and fears. Monday, in the name of Jesus, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We've done a few studies on prayer, but I really want to do a more in-depth study on prayer. We need to remember that there are many elements that go into a prayer. Prayer is not just saying five words and everything is working out. There are many elements to prayer, and we need to understand that. Okay, because asking anything in the name of Christ is one of the key things, but it's not the only thing. Now, this is from John chapter 14, and this is where Judas Iscariot had already left, and Christ was getting ready to give the disciples the last message. He was in the midst of giving them the last message of hope, warning them of what would come, preparing them. Okay? When we say this, what do we normally think it means? What do we think it means to ask anything in Christ's name? What clues are there in these verses to help us understand the point he's making? I think the most important point is you have to take all of the instructions that Christ gave us regarding prayer and put them together. If you just pick a point here or there, you will come away with some really... in. Uh, interesting conclusions. When our request is in the name of Jesus, we can be certain that the whole machinery of heaven is at work on our behalf. 
Yes, but in the name of Jesus is not just mentioning Jesus' name in a linguistic way. It is according to the principles of Christ. It is by retaining faith in Christ. It is important to understand that in the name of Jesus is not just a formality. It's not just something you say at the end of a prayer. It is matching the character of Christ and applying that character to the circumstances that you're praying for. Sometimes when we pray in the name of Jesus, we open our eyes and expect everything to be different around us, but it all looks the same. However, while the power of God may come with dramatic effect, as when Jesus calmed the storm, it may also come in quietness, unnoticed, as when the power of God sustained Jesus in Gethsemane. Something dramatic may not suddenly happen, but that doesn't mean that God is not at work for us. Okay. They ask us to consider the promises of John 14, verses 1 through 14, and recognizing that it is being preached to us, consider, if you are hearing it, what promises you would rely upon. Okay, Tuesday, the power of the resurrection. The resurrection addresses the problem of human powerlessness. When we think about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we often think about how the death of Jesus was the event that made us legally right with God. And of course, this is true. However, the resurrection adds a specific dimension to salvation. The resurrection of Jesus is meaningful not just because it shows us that one day we will be resurrected as well. The resurrection placed Jesus at the right hand of the Father in a position of power and authority. This resurrection power is the same power that God makes available for us today. I have to think about that one. Is it the resurrection that put him there? Because hmm. the Bible never really frames it that way. It always frames it as he's resurrected and has gone to sit with his father. That sort of language. Um, yeah, I don't know. The power of the resurrection. I mean... You have to be resurrected for any of the other things to happen. I don't know if I consider that the power of the resurrection. Right? Resurrection is a reward. The resurrection of Jesus is meaningful, not just because it shows us that one day we will be resurrected as well. Resurrection placed Jesus at the right hand of the Father in a position of power and authority. But it wasn't just the resurrection. Moses was resurrected. And as far as we know, he didn't get that. No, it's, it's more about Jesus got that because that's needed for the plan of salvation. That's why. Paul is praying that the Ephesians understand a few things that can be understood properly only with divine help. That there is hope of transformation and an eternal future to which Jesus has called us. That we understand the power that was manifest in our behalf. Yeah, that power 
was to overcome sin. That's what that power is for. Make a list of areas in your life you need the power of the resurrected Jesus. Okay? So Tuesday's lesson is important for us to check those out. Wednesday, to carry all our worry. There is a plaque that some people have in their homes which reads, Why pray when you can worry? Makes us laugh because we know how often we worry rather than come to God with our concerns. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We did a podcast on this in the past, and care here, casting all our care upon him, that's all of our anxiety, for he careth for you, that's all about his concern. What is the basic message here for us? That God will take care of us, that we need to bring um, we should bring our concerns to him, but we should realize that he has promised to fill those concerns. Right? Anxiety is caused by all sorts of things. Uh-huh. Anxiety is caused by all sorts of things. Anxiety is our response to stress and pressures. Right? Those things don't necessarily cause anxiety. Those things can cause anxiety if you don't trust God. Right? Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. It's how you handle it. It's what your concern is. What things, what are the things that cause you to worry? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No, there is not. Lord is always waiting and watching. Thursday says, still faithful when God cannot be seen. To think that no one cares about what is happening to us is very unpleasant. But to think that God does not know or care about us can be distressing. Yeah. To the Judeans exiled in Babylon, God did not seem to care much about their situation. They were still exiled, still feeling abandoned by God because of their sin. But Isaiah speaks words of comfort to them. Isaiah 40 is a beautiful passage in which Isaiah speaks so tenderly to the people about their God. So tenderly. Let me give you a passage here. Isaiah 40. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom. And he shall gently lead those that are with young. That's Isaiah 40, verse 11. And then we have verses 27 through 31. These are some of my favorite passages. It says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. 
But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Okay. Very powerful passage. One of my favorites too. Another group of people who might have considered that their way was hidden from God is found in the book of Esther. In this book, God is not mentioned even once. However, the whole story is an unfolding drama of God's intervention to save his people from their irrevocable law, to have them destroyed. Not only does this story describe events of the past, it symbolizes a time in the future when God's people will again be persecuted and a law again introduced for their destruction. Can you imagine how easy it would be to conclude that if such terrible circumstances were existing, God must surely have deserted his people? But we are not to fear. The same God who saved his chosen ones in the story of Esther will save them again in the final crisis. Now, even though God did send a message from Isaiah to the inhabitants of the land, we should also remember that he gave them multiple prophets. At one point, they had Jeremiah, they had Ezekiel, and they had Daniel all at the same time as prophets of the Lord. So it's important for us to understand and appreciate that. God loves his people and he will send them messengers as many as they need to bring peace and assurance to God's people. For further thought, it is recommended that you read in the days of Queen Esther from Prophets and Kings. Here's a quote from Manuscript Releases, Volume 6, page 225. Has not God said he would give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And is not this spirit a real, true, actual guide? Some men seem afraid to take God at his word, as though it would be presumption in them. They pray for the Lord to teach us, and yet are afraid to credit the pledged word of God and believe we have been taught of him. So long as we come to our Heavenly Father humbly and with a spirit to be taught, willing and anxious to learn, why should we doubt God's fulfillment of his own promise? You must not for a moment doubt him and dishonor him thereby. When you have sought to know his will, your part in the operation with God is to believe that you will be led and guided and blessed in the doing of his will. We may mistrust ourselves lest we misinterpret his teaching, but make even this a subject of prayer and trust him. Still trust him to the utmost, that his Holy Spirit will lead you to interpret aright his plans and the working of his providence. It's Manuscript Releases, Volume 6, page 225. Faith grows strong by coming in conflict with doubts and opposing influences. The experience gained in these trials is of more value than the most costly jewels. That's Testimonies for the Church, Volume 3, page 555. Okay. These are all pretty good questions this week. 
their questions about trusting God even when the process doesn't look right. We have to hold on to those promises. This is what the promises were made for. The particular time where we can't, where our eyes are telling us that danger is imminent and the promises of God remind us of the power of God. And so we find ourselves in a much, much better place. Okay. Let's do our memory verse again. Hebrews 11.27 By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Okay. Everyone else is blind, but you have the spiritual eyesight to be able to see God working for you, working on your behalf. That's important. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your mercy and your goodness and your love. We ask you to help us that we will consider the lessons that have been provided here for us. We ask you to please forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us that as we study your word, we will gain a much better understanding of what you're trying to tell us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can email us at BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. Don't forget to check out the full description of this episode at BibleStudy.ASBZone.com to ensure that you can access the linked resources and any related podcast episodes. This podcast is available on all the major platforms, such as Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and more. Please remember us in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word. Thank you.